Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network This is the Radioactive Show Broadcast from the 3CR studios on the stolen lands Of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Melbourne I'm Crunch, and this week I have recordings for you from a forum held at the opening of the annual Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, known as IPAN, conference. The organisation began in 2015 and describes itself as a network of organisations from all regions of Australia who are united by our support for an independent Australian foreign policy based on peaceful resolution of conflicts. Its 2016 conference was held in Alice Springs on the land of the Arunda people. Why Alice Springs? Well, as listeners may be aware, this year marks 50 years since the signing of the treaty between the US and Australia, which enabled the construction of the so-called Joint Defence Facility known as Pine Gap, which lies just 20 kilometres from the town of Alice Springs. The forum was held on 30th of September and featured the speakers I'll bring you today, Professor Richard Tanter from Melbourne University, and the Nautilus Institute, and Professor Kusuzu Abe from Ryukus University in Japan. And coming up at the end of today's show, we have Madeline Hudson from the Zucchini Clan talking about some nuclear-free alternatives and her new track, Solar Power, along with the Kuki Zooks merchandise that's available for kids and anyone else interested in fun, tuneful alternatives. We'll start out hearing from Richard Tanter, who gives an overview of US military presence in Australia, including 50 years of Pine Gap's operations. Place is important, time is important. This is the 50th anniversary of the signing of the treaty in December in 1966, uh, establishing Pine Gap, the agreement between the Australian Defence Department and that of the United States Defence Department. Uh, it's a very long time. Institutions like Pine Gap, like the ANZUS Alliance, which is now 70 years old almost, uh, usually don't last that long. There is something uh, quite extraordinary here that I want to think about. For me, this part well, is uh, important. I spent a lot of time in Alice Springs. I spent a fair bit of time uh, out bush. And I, I think, like many Australians, now non-Indigenous as well as Indigenous, have come to think that there is a centre, and at that centre there is a heart. And I think for many people, symbolically, that's Uluru. I fear, however, that that symbol of at least the possibility of reconciliation in our country is rivalled by another centre of our country. Um, and I'm talking about Pine Gap. It has a sense of mysterious power about it. People wonder about what actually goes on. It, has a, it looks very strange. It is very powerful. That's true. It's another part. I think it's the poison part of Australia. And it's increasingly having an effect uh, on our defence policies and the way in which we conduct our foreign policy. Bases. Pine Gap was established, uh, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network was established uh, to, uh, in response to the decision by the Gillard government and the Obama administration to uh, start what the Americans call permanent rotation of US Marine US Air Force aircraft in Darwin, uh, but also at the uh, using the Delamere weapons range for the aircraft about the size of Cyprus, uh, using the Bradshaw range, uh, using RWF Tyndall. Uh, the Americans call this permanent rotation, and I think that's a very important point to bear in mind. But beyond that, beyond Darwin, 
there has been a great upsurge in Australian, in American access to and use of uh, Australian bases. Not only air bases that I mentioned, the army bases, but particularly, for example, in Western Australia at Geraldton, at the Australian uh, Defence Satellite Communication Station. That's a, one of our spying bases. It was all Australian. And now we share it with two very large American military, operational military communication systems. At Northwest Cape, which many of you know is further up the coast in, North, in, in Western Australia, uh, for a very long time uh, there was and still is a, a very low frequency uh, submarine communication uh, facility. That's now been upgraded, but more importantly, uh, a very new part of American activities in Australia connected with warfare in space is now taking place with the uh, uh, construction of a space radar and a space telescope. That's there to find, basically there to find where are the adversary satellites in space, which in the event of war, the uh, United States wants to neutralize. And of course, they are joint operations, joint bases of the government say. What well, we're thinking about all of these joint bases, uh, the government says only Pine Gap and Northwest Cape are joint. One way of thinking about it is just to look at the facts. If it was built by the United States, if it was paid for by the United States, and if it only functions as part of an American technology, then it's an American base to which lesser access as time goes on. Uh, we don't have proper joint bases, uh, in fact. It's a very asymmetrical jointness. But to move to Pine Gap. Pine Gap was established in 1966, became operational in 1970, and it was put here for one reason a quite remarkable technological achievement by the Central Intelligence Agency at the time, invented the idea at 36,000 kilometers above the Earth's surface. Satellites which would stare down at the Earth, which would stare down, but particularly they would listen with giant antenna, now more than 100 meters across, and in fact many more today. And the function of those antennas was to listen to the very weak radio signals coming from Soviet uh, missiles being tested. The CIA wanted to know what those signals were, what that information was, so it could work out the capability of uh, Soviet uh, weapon systems and then, of course, build their own to oppose them. That was the original reason that the facility was built, and it was located here for one simple reason, technical reason. The data, the massive amount of data that satellite collected for its antenna had to be downloaded, and it came down in a very thin, uh, very targeted beam. But by the time a targeted beam gets down from 36,000 kilometres, it's spread out over about a circle about 150 kilometres in diameter. Pine Gap was just the place to put that. Um, and that's why it's there. Interestingly, that no longer obtains. Uh, now the downlinks are encrypted. Pine Gap could be moved. It doesn't have to be here anymore. This is The Radioactive Show, and you're hearing Professor Richard Tander talking about the US military operations in Australia. He's speaking at the recent Independent and Peaceful Australia Network conference in Alice Springs. He outlined the original functions of the Pine Gap Defence Facility as a missile detection and aiming system in the era of the Cold War. He now continues to discuss the new systems of Pine Gap, including drone assassinations and surveillance. Okay. The systems, it's grown. There's an old story about Pine Gap and a new story. The old story is to do with strategic level intelligence. Uh, what are the Soviet weapon systems? After the closure of Narunga in South Australia in 1999, 
that was moved to, the functions of that were moved to Pine Gap, and that brought a new system, which was the American Early Warning System. Essentially, again on satellites, 36,000 kilometres in the sky, very powerful infrared telescopes stared at the Earth, still do stare at the Earth, looking for the heat bloom of the launch of rockets, which would bring nuclear weapons uh, uh, down on Washington and the rest of the United States. Early warning. That's the old story. The new story is that continues, but both of those systems have grown enormously. The number of antennas, which is in themselves just a sign of what's uh, connected to them, have grown uh, from two or three in 1970 to 33 today. They are much more powerful. The uh, signals intelligence satellites, listening to those originally, those Soviet uh, testing missiles, now listen to a great deal. They always listen to the Soviet radars, so that when the nuclear war that the Americans and the Soviets anticipated would happen one day, American bombers could find their way into the Soviet Union, evading or jamming those radars. It now does much more. One of the things it does is it picks up satellite phone transmissions, it picks up cell phone transmissions, and particularly, of course, in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, uh, these are extremely important for the conduct of war. But of course, it also picks up uh, signals from telephones allegedly used by people, or people who may be actually or allegedly carrying out terrorist activities. And in particular, uh, that data from Pine Gap, which provides the content of what those uh, telephone conversations are about, and more importantly, the location, that then is sent to the United States and with President Obama's signature, which he gives very often, uh, then there is a drone assassination. And very often in countries with which Australia and America are not at war. And therefore, it's very clear, in ordinary law, let alone elementary morality, these are matters of simple murder and assassination. But the thermal imaging satellites, those infrared satellites, they also have grown in capacity. They now see not just rockets lifting off the they see jet aircraft moving across the sky. They see explosions on the ground. They're also used for what the Americans call missile defense, the idea of shielding America with, with a system of sensors, radars, which will see incoming uh, missiles, and America will fire its own missiles and actually physically hit those incoming ones. Very difficult technically, but it's actually pretty close to reality now. That can only happen, it's only technically possible, with the contribution of Pine Gap, those thermal imaging satellites saying a North Korean missile has just lifted off, here is its trajectory, now go and find it with your own radars. We are very closely involved in that. We are very closely involved now, not just in issues like early warning, and it's very hard to argue against early warning, I guess, uh, not just in strategic level intelligence, the very high level going to the president, but with the way that wars are actually operating on the ground in Afghanistan and Iraq. And one of the new things that's happened is that Australia is very, very deeply involved in this. In the old days, we had a right to get some access, but we didn't use it very much. We didn't have Australians uh, as they now are in every part of Pine Gap, in every section, in every division. With the Australian uh, Defence Department, you amounts of that and contributing to it. That's good in one way, in the sense of, well, at least we're not locked out the way we were before. But of course, with that comes a culpability. If we are accepting the fact that drone assassinations are taking place, sooner or later this will become very, very clear in, in uh, international law. 
many people understand this and is really something that we should object to. I think we should have a very strong objection to Pine Gap's role in nuclear war, both in the execution of it and increasingly in the targeting of it. And I think that's something that many Australians understand. You're tuned to the Radioactive Show and we're hearing Professor Richard Tanter speaking about the Pine Gap Joint Defence Facility, which is now in its 50th year. I also think there are probably some legitimate uses for what happens at Pine Gap. What I don't understand is that our government, all of our governments, seems to lack the capacity to actually ask the question, when do Australian interests and American interests coincide and when do they not? And can we imagine an Australian government which would say, all right, about Pine Gap, we are deeply opposed to its involvement in nuclear war. We are deeply opposed to its uh, uh, strategically foolish and immoral and definitely illegal activities in drone assassinations in countries with which we are not at war. And we want you to do something about it. We want you to limit the functions of Pine Gap. That wouldn't be an unreasonable thing to say for an Australian government. But it's very, very hard to imagine looking back, uh, well, where should we go? Rudd, Gillard, Howard, keep going back? Uh, none of them uh, have had the capacity, I think, to think about that. I want to finish by going back to what I talked about uh, at the beginning, um, uh, about Pine Gap as part of the alliance, part of the alliance with the United States. I think it's possible to think about uh, disentangling us from the alliance. I think we're now hardwired by Pine Gap, by the Delamere range, weapons range, where the targeting information, the bombing information, is fed by electronically back to Canberra, and then back to Hawaii, and then back to Washington. We're literally hardwired into this. I think that the Pine Gap, in the size of it, Northwest Cape, in their size and capabilities, does two things. Firstly, it says to China, well, China's not really worried about Darwin, I don't think. But basically, what they do when they look at Australia, they see that Australia is an American base, not just individual parts, that we're committed. And I think very fundamentally we have to ask the question, is that really the way we want to go? With the implication, the, sig the signal that we are sending to the Americans, that if they go to war with China, sure, we'll be part of that. That's something that we really have to reconsider. Again, that question, that uh, rather hard question, what are Australia, when do they coincide with American interests and when not, and what is the human interest, the things which are, that go back to country in that very broad sense around the world. Pine Gap, I think, has become the poisoned heart of, uh, of Australia. I think it is pushing us further and closer and closer to the United States. It is embedding us in global military operations uh, for which there is not only little strategic rationale for Australia, 13 years in Afghanistan, 40 plus people, uh, Australian soldiers killed, about 250 Australian soldiers very seriously wounded, and who knows what in the poorest country in Asia, how many people have been killed there by that. There is no strategic interest for us, but there's a very good interest in not getting locked down in that. Pine Gap is part of a system, I think, which is pushing us more and more into that. And that poison heart is seeping into our defence policy, and I think it's critical the time has come for us to ask the question, what are we going to do about Pine Gap? Thank you.
That was Professor Richard Tanter of the Nautilus Institute speaking about 50 years of the Pine Gap Joint Defence Facility at the opening night of the IPAN conference in Alice Springs, 2016. We'll now hear from Professor Kasuzu Abe, also speaking at the forum, who discusses the impacts of the US military complex on local communities, in this case on the island of Okinawa, southeast of mainland Japan. The island of Okinawa hosts more than half of the 47,000 US troops in Japan, and Kosuzu discusses the Japanese government's aggressive support of the US military, most recently in building new helipads against the opposition of villages in Okinawa. I acknowledge that we are meeting on Arenda land, and I would like to pay my respect to elders past, present, and future. Uh, thank you all coming today to this IBAN public uh, forum. I'd like to share what is going on right in this moment in Takae, a small residential district in the northern part of the island of Okinawa. Since this July of this year, Japanese government resumed the construction of the helicopter landing zones, we say helipads, for U.S. Marine Corps in the northern training area in Okinawa. Japanese government raised its extraordinary tension to deploy hundreds of riot squads from mainland Japan to Takae, the tiny district with 150 population, to crush down the protesters and sit-iners hanging in the construction site. Those are uh, the front pages of the two local newspapers, Okinawa Times and Ryukyu Shinpo, on July 23rd of this year. In 1957, the U.S. military established the northern training area in the Yambaru mountain area in order to prepare troops for jungle warfare in Southeast Asia. For two generations, local villagers have endured the consequences of living next to this military installation. U.S. military doesn't use live shells in northern training area, but uh, this is not prohibited, basically on the regard by the side of the U.S. military. In addition to the recent revelations by the journalist John Mitchell that Agent Orange was used in this area, they are troubled by the overhead roar of helicopters and heavy military traffic. This, uh, this continual sense of danger has been punctuated by intermittent helicopter accidents, which since the 1970s have claimed the lives of at least 19 service members of the United States. The Japanese government has repeatedly tried to remove sit-in actions by resorting to the unprecedented tactics, one of which was the civil lawsuit against the protesters. This notorious tactic is called SLAP, Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation in the United States. Japanese government picked up only the residents of Takae, including an elementary school child from the city nurse, and filed a temporary injunction to the court in 2008 because they were obstructing, uh, obstructing the national government's access to the public road. While the residents were suffered by the slap, 
Japanese government didn't stop its heavy-handed way of construction. The construction workers raided at night or before dawn. The government workers screamed to the sit-inners, and though people kept hanging in there, two of the six helipads was completed in 2015. Among the planned helipads, uh, these two called N4 are the uh, near, most nearest to, to the Takai residential area, which Japanese government swift, swiftly provided to U.S. Marine Corps for the training of MV-22 Osprey. Without any help from the authority, Takai residents do their best to take up a citizen's investigation way. People collect data of noise and low-frequency noise, check and, uh, check and record the flight paths of the military aircraft uh, as the evidence of their demands. And uh, the local newspaper covered it with the testimony of the residents. Uh, small, uh, three paragraphs are there. Yeah, this one. In Takae, uh, these are the test testimony of the residents. And uh, I read... Um, Second one, a hundred decibel noise is said to be comparable to a horn of a car. But the noise of an osprey is a heavy, heavy bass sound and I feel my internal organs trembled. In the third paragraph, the data, the, the data proved the noise event at that night over 80 decibel happened 20 times in two hours. It means that the roar from the osprey shakes the whole house at night after 9 p.m., continuing in two hours and longer at the inter uh, intervals of five to ten minutes. You're hearing Kasuzu Abe outlining the impact of U.S. military operations on villages on the Japanese island of Okinawa, as well as the extent that the Japanese government has gone to crush local people protesting, including filing civil lawsuits against them. Let's return to Kasuzu to hear how the Japanese government has nominated the surrounding areas of the military training grounds as world heritage. In a hypocritical move, it has excised the U.S. training areas from the nomination, not on scientific grounds, but to prioritize U.S. military operations above any environmental value. As for the Japanese government, they are enthusiastic to promote this Yambar forest, listening to the World Natural Heritage. On September 15, 2016, this year, Japanese Ministry of Environment announced that they officially registered the Yambar National Park aiming to register the park as a World Heritage Site of UNESCO in order to control the development and protect its environment. The park contains land areas designated as special protection areas, uh, yellow and uh, red part of this map, where deforestation activities and even entry are restricted. Environmental groups criticize that plan falls short, that the only 70, uh, 719 hectares would be designated as special conservation area, and of course the northern training area is intentionally eliminated from the protection. For me, it is worse than irony that 
Not only they eliminate the NTA, Northern Training Area, from protection, they were found to deforest for the helipad construction without appropriate authorization on the same day of this National Park press release. Unauthorized deforestation was found in the middle of the Northern Training Area after the access road was closed by the wall with burned wire. Since this July, we are witnessing our government become unrestrained and go to access to the citizens, not terrorists or enemy. Local journalists and many other, descri many other described the situation is almost under a martial law. Japanese riot police execute a roadblock without explanation, make a convoy to guard dump trucks for, uh, of the gravels of, uh, for construction, and taxi the construct workers by a police car. However, people are still hanging in there at this moment of today. More and more people got together from within and outside of Okinawa, headed to the multiple construction sites, and bravery formed 24-hour sit-in camps to protect their forest, their and the right of determination. That was Professor Kosuzu Abe speaking about the determination of local communities in Okinawa to fight against further U.S. military impositions near their villages. Earlier in the show, we heard from Professor Richard Tanter of the Nautilus Institute addressing U.S. military presence in Australia and, in particular, the current functions of the Pine Gap facility in its 50th year and located just 20 kilometres from Alice Springs on Aranda Country. These were both recordings taken at the opening night of the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network conference held in Alice Springs in September. You can look up IPAN at or the w's.ipan.org.au. And now, as promised, I was able to have a short chat with Madeline Hudson, former radioactive show producer who has gone on to many wonderful things, including the Zucchini Clan, who sing and perform for kids and adults about alternatives to nuclear. I asked Mads about their exciting release. Yeah, we're really excited to be launching our fan club right now in Kutizuk's land. That's our other name that we go under because we're mm. really wanting to celebrate... Um, uniqueness within all of us as well as all the uh, advocating for holistic sustainability and all that earth consciousness um, business. So we have a crowdfunder at the moment um, that we're running that's launching all of our wonderful merchandise, um, stickers, badges, magnets, these great cloth calico bags with our beautiful cartoon image screen prints on it mm. and also our new music which is really exciting because our last album, our debut album Wildlife was four years ago. Yeah. So we're really excited to um, be getting this new music out and we're just um, really asking for support out there to help us, you know, finish stuff off and fund things. And um, we're just really um, wanting to take things to the next phase. We really want our message to get out there so we can inspire kids and families to really care for the earth mm. and be strong, you know, uh, custodians. So, yeah, it's very exciting. And it's... Your songs are all about a nuclear-free world, aren't they? Because they're all about the alternatives and what we could be doing instead. So I'm sure Rad Show listeners would be right on board. Yeah, uh, so, yeah so the single that we're releasing is Solar Power. Awesome. So, so, um, <laughs> and as 
you know, as any activist knows, um, you need to sort of work on the, you know, as much as fighting against the destructive forces on the earth, you, you want to really create and you need to create the world you want at the same time, otherwise you just burn out. So mm. Bikini Clan for me has been an amazing um, project to channel all this positive, creative energy. We got solar power, minute by minute, hour by hour, we got solar power. Be sure to support Zucchini Clan. You can find them at zucchiniclan.com. Get in fast to support the group and get some ace kooky prizes. Their crowdfunder closes on Monday 24th of October. We will be going out with a pre-master preview of one of their new releases, Solar Power. This has been another edition of the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can podcast our shows by going to 3cr.org.au or contact us at radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. This week you've been with Crunch and here's Solar Power. Riding down the street, it looks really cool. Every single house in my street, shining bright in the shimmering heat has solar power, solar power. Computers at school are lots of fun. Shining down.